Hello, my name is Lexi Davis. I'm a self-discovery coach, a yoga and meditation instructor, a love enthusiast, and a really playful human being. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions, all in mini cuddly episodes, hoping that you connect to your truth in the most authentic version of yourself. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Heart Snugglers. It's a great day to be here. We're so happy you're listening. I brought the most magnificent woman who I recently met, and I'm just so grateful to be in her presence and to share her with you all today. She is just full of love and light and all the goodness and so much wisdom and all infused in joy and funniness. So super excited to go dive in with this conversation and go ahead and tell them a little bit more about you. Lexi, you're the first one to call me a supportive elder. And I actually repeated that a bunch. I'm very proud of that. Yes, I have been in the speaking business for 30 years. I started out in human resources as a trainer, which taught me how to talk to men in a male-dominated environment of aerospace. And so I did HR, and then somebody said, you're so funny, you should do a keynote. And I said, what's a keynote? And I found out what it was, and I keynoted for 30 years all over the world. And now it's time to be a supportive elder and pass on all my strategies and gifts. And so I named myself a speaker coach, and I help you with your TED Talk, your keynote speech, or your marketing speech, which is an answer to the question, what do you do? So if you have 30 seconds or 30 minutes, you can't just go, well, so (laughs) I help you with that. So good. So, so good. Yay. I'm so excited. So to start off the podcast, the question is, what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you? Oh, I think it was you who asked me to be on this podcast. It's wonderful because people say you should really market yourself to podcasts. And I don't know how to do that, but we had a conversation and you asked me to be on it. That was a lovely kindness. And I've been looking forward to it. Amazing. I love that so much. And I'm so grateful you're here. And so many more people are going to ask you to be on their podcast now as well. So (laughs) that's how you get on podcasts, I guess. You just give kindness to get it. Totally. That circle of life. We love that. That's it. And yeah, about the elder thing, I just want to touch on that because I was telling her, Mimi, that like neither of my grandparents are in my life. Like they don't support me. They don't care about me. Like I guess my grandpa did, but he died when I was really young. And so I've never really had positive elders in my life and I've always wanted to learn from you guys because I know a lot of you have so much wisdom and just like so much to offer it so it just felt like so divine that you came into my life and you're just like the ultimate you're like my older spirit like just use the same so I just love it and so grateful to dive in today thank you you're welcome so you kind of told us how you got into this speaking business but where do you think like have you always been funny like where did this like humor come from yeah I'm lucky I always say you're born with certain aces in your hand and so my aces were my parents 
I had the best parents. Not only were they very sophisticated and brilliant, they were funny. My mom was funny. My dad was a great audience and straight man. And she would find humor in everything. And so ever since I was little, and we used to listen to comedians on HBO specials. And before that, it was records. You know, long ago, they had the LPs that had people's comedy concerts. My parents were huge fans of comedy. And so that was my claim to fame when I was speaking all my life. That's how I got hired to be a keynoter because there were very few women. But I was funny without being self-deprecating. And they liked that humor, situational humor, because I have a comedian sensibility, which is I look at the world and I think something funny is going on here. There's always something funny going on in every situation in life, every moment, and you kind of just have to find it. I love that. It's so true. I'm all about that. Like, yeah, infusing life with joy because it really is. Like, I find in America, too, after I've traveled so much, we take life so seriously here. I'm like, I need to listen up. Like, I know. I found that in France and Italy when they take two hours off for lunch every day. And they make a dine at a meal and then they take a nap. And I thought, wow. So good. It's so good. And so how do you get into speaking? Like if someone's like really interested in it or they're terrified. Yeah. Well, I always say you have to have something to say. People have said to me they love the sound of their voice. Yeah, that's not enough. The TED Talks, for instance, which I love because they're such, they're so full of integrity. The whole process of the TED stage is full of integrity. And what I say to people is it's your dues paying activity. So you have to have some dues paying activity addressing the needs of people right now. So there's a need that you can help people with. And so First, you have to be able to have that dues-paying activity. You have to have some life experience. Doesn't necessarily have to be business experience, but it could be some life experience that's going to help somebody else. And so I was a drama major. I mean, I've always been fun and funny on stage. I've always liked entertaining, but some of the best speakers in the world, as you know, are not funny they're inspiring, they're motivating, they're heartfelt. So you have to have a message, a commitment, some dues paying activity, and it has to be related to what people need right now. Yeah, I think that's so important. It's like you're really good at getting the audience engaged. And how do you do that? Oh, that's a whole thing. That's what people pay me to do. People think that they can get up there and wing it. I have many blogs on my website, MimiDonaldson.com. I've actually repeated the blog a bunch of times because I think people need to get it. And the name of the blog is Why You Shouldn't Wing It. <laughs> Why You Should Never Wing It. You can't trust your brain to call upon those great sentences. Not only that, your speaking should answer the questions in the listener's mind because I always say a speech is not an article you read aloud. 
That's really almost a commandment. It's almost a mantra for me. It's not an article you read aloud. It's a conversation with the listener, whether it's one listener or 17,000. But your first sentence, you have to prove to them that you got them, that you lead with what they need, a pain or a situation they're experiencing, some kind of thing where they can say, do you know me? Are you into me? And you say, I got you. And that's the beginning of your speech. It can't be, ooh, let me tell you my story. Because they don't care about your story yet. They will if you give them value and you relate to their needs first. Then they care about your story. But too many speakers think they can lead with their story and that's enough. And it's not. Even in TED Talks, they don't lead with their story, even though they have wonderful stories. No, you lead with the need. And that's the another four words that's like a commandment. <laughs> lead with the need. Whether you're talking one-to-one -one or to a big audience, what is their need? What do they want you to talk about? And people are very selfish in an audience. And the more people in an audience, the more selfish they become. I know. I always say one-to-one, -one, you can kind of get away with back and forth and kind of focusing on you a little bit and all. And then as the audience grows, it becomes something of an organism that wants you to talk about them. So true. And we, I like never thought about it like that before. <laughs> say that and it's like yeah people will not listen unless they can relate oh especially now I mean that first 30 seconds we don't even write that it remains working until we reach the end of the speech we write the whole speech and then we come up with the beginning because that first 30 seconds in my day they used to walk out they used to just leave the auditorium but then they started looking at this. Like, they're just going to look at this. If the first 30 seconds doesn't get them, they're just looking at this. And if you're online, they just switch off to another screen. It just, that is so important to grab them. Yeah, yeah. And you were pointing to your phone for those that are listening. Big people just go to their phones when... Oh, when you see their heads go down... <laughs> You're dead. You are in trouble. Okay. So how do you deal with that when you start to notice like the audience isn't engaging? Like I immediately, it's like, you can't just give up right then. So No, <laughs> you can't give up. But the first time somebody walked out of my audience, I thought I was going to die. I took it completely personally, but that was many years ago and I was very young. And then I realized, wait a minute, they might have another priority. So the first thing you think is don't take it personally. Like that, they're looking down at their phone. Maybe somebody's in the hospital. I mean, maybe they're waiting for word about their test from their doctor. Maybe their kid is calling from school. Maybe something is, you know, they've got a life. So don't take it personally. But the time to get the audience back once they get distracted is not right then. It's before you speak. So people ask you in a group, can you speak for five minutes about your business? And you go, yes, 
but then you have to plan it and you plan it according to a formula that I wrote. And actually that's how we craft a speech and it answers the questions in the listener's mind as they come up. So the thing you want to see in the audience is this, like what you're doing right now, like, <laughs> and what I'm doing It's the smiling and nodding. The smiling and nodding means I'm getting it. I get it. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. They may not agree with you, but they're saying, I know. I know that. Yeah. That's what I thought she'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting So that's what you want. And that's that engagement. And the time to plan that out is before you're given the opportunity to speak. So powerful. And I don't even know how someone could wing it. That would scare the shit out of me to do something. Uh, they wing it. People wing it all. The, and, they, and they actually use it as a justification. Well, I'm speaking from my heart. And like, I can't plan that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Prepare speaking from your heart. Prepare your look. You know, the old joke is how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. That's the joke. Not that you go down to that street, turn left on 57th. It's how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice, practice, practice. And that's what I say. You can never do the speech too much. People call me, they say, oh, I have a speech in a week. And I go, good luck with that. Start practicing it, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not going to help them because that's not enough time. I love how strong you are with your boundaries. And like oh. <laughs> the older you get, this is my little elder advice, the more strict your boundaries become. Your mind doesn't become closed. You're open to new music, new ideas, new phrases. I always want to know the hottest, youngest thing. But as far as boundaries, oh, no. And then you get to say it with humor. You can draw your boundaries. Everybody's afraid of being such a witch when they draw their boundary. No, no, no. You can do it in a really nice way. I say to people, you're not ready for me yet. Go pay some dues in some dues paying activity in your life. And they laugh and go, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's like I'm not cutting them down. Yeah. Yeah. So good. We need boundaries. So it's boundaries. So good. And I also love what you were saying at the beginning, too, of like being the only woman and being around all these men and learning how to talk with them. So like, oh. how have you navigated that? Well, it's interesting. I used to do a speech that was extremely binary. It had all kinds of stereotype jokes, which went over really well in the 80s and 90s and even the beginning of the 2000s. Oh, it was famous. The speech was called Men and Women, Can We Talk? You can find it on YouTube under me. You know, when you go on my channel, you can see pieces of it. Oh, it's so binary. But nowadays there is a spectrum and there is a scale. And instead of gender, I like to think of it as style differences. And I started talking about style differences a long time ago because it's the old stereotype was that men were like this and women were like this. Men focus on a point and they go out from that. And it's not true. It's not about men and women. It's about, are you formal with time or are you casual with time? The style difference. Do you, does three o'clock to you mean 10 to three 
or 20 to 3? Or does it mean 3-ish? Like you get there at 310, it's like, okay for you, that's close enough. So, and the problem with style differences is you usually marry or end up living with or working very closely with the person with the other style. It's not a gender thing. So there's a time style and there's also a things style. If you're formal with things, you have a key place, a glasses place, a parking lot ticket stub place. I have my water place on my desk. If it's not over there, it throws me. Same. So, right. So formal with time, with things, right? But some people are casual with things and how you know you're casual, <laughs> this used to just kill audiences. You have to, how you know you're casual is you spend a certain time in the day in an activity you call normal, which is called looking for things. The audience used to say to me, <laughs> looking for things. And I would say, yes. And to you, that's normal. And you don't mind looking for things because casual people, when they're looking for things, find other things that they couldn't find before. It's just totally normal and enjoyable for them, but formal people, I am a formal person. I'm a double formal. And so if something is not in its place, I think it must be stolen because I couldn't have put it in another place. Not me. Yeah. You see, there's disadvantages and advantages. Not One is not right. One is not wrong. And I've actually saved relationships with this knowledge. Because you can fight about this stuff or you can laugh about it. Differences of people, you know, that's why we have stress. I used to teach stress courses and I did a stress keynote. And why we have stress is we have to deal with people who are not just like us. <laughs> if everybody would just think the way I do, I would have no stress. But we deal with different people, and you can either laugh about the differences and enjoy them, which leads to the whole diversity thing, or you can fight about it or do the passive aggressive. I almost named my stress book Tisk Sigh and Alternatives <laughs> because instead of talking, people go, and it's that signal. That means disapproval or how come you don't just know what I want? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We think mind readers, you know, that's right. And you know, it used to be men and women, the stereotype, but it's not anymore. It's really yeah. not. It's definitely not. And that's so funny. I was just talking to my best friend. She's like, we're on FaceTime. She's like, well, I'm looking again. I can't find my wallet. Like, it's so true. See, but that's like not being like looking for things is just normal with casual people. They don't panic. Oh, she was panicking. Oh, she's formal then. She's not used to looking for something. No, but she is that way. Like, she never is organized, but oh, she still panics because she can't find her things. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, I don't have friends like that. You can't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. You have to just know that you're casual and then you have to mark places. You have to have places. And I've taught my friends who are casual with things how to have a key place and how to have a, this is the place where I'm taking these things in the car next time I go in the car. That's the place. 
and then, then, then there's no stress. I know it's so easy. It seems like, but yeah. well, I love that. Okay, so back to speaking. I'm yeah, speaking a bad fear of public speaking. When I was little, I would turn into a tomato and just go mute. And yeah, it's been a huge fear of mine. And I know it's for a lot of people and I've gotten better because I, you know, do things online now and whatnot. But yeah, so how do you help people move through that? Oh man, I love this question. Okay, it's taken me years to come up with the answer for this question because I used to talk about breathing and practice, 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 practice. But now I have four words. I've gotten everything down to four words, lead with the need. I mean, stuff like that. The four words that relaxes people who are nervous about themselves in front of people is it's not about you. It's not. I always say if you were delivering to a mirror, you could be nervous. If you're giving your speech to a mirror or let's say 10 mirrors and it's all about you, then you kind of go like this and you like, oh, it's all about you because I'm looking in the mirror. This Zoom thing is against all my principles, but whatever. But when you're looking at that audience and you're talking and answering the questions in their minds and you're helping them because that's the whole purpose of your speech then it's not about you. Why would you be nervous about you and your presentation and how you look and how you sound if it's not about you? And the first time I realized this was about 15 years ago or 12 years ago, I was helping a woman talk about her nonprofit, which helps young women avoid gangs and goes into like an empowerment program. And she said, I hate talking about myself. I hate telling my story. And I'm, and she's shy, which makes her a wonderful leader. And she's shy. And I said to her, it's not about you. And she went, oh, Mimi, those four words just relaxed me. I felt relaxation in my body. I went, Oh, those are good four words then. I'm in a run. Then I wrote them down and I told them to other clients. But I discovered it with her because it really shifted her focus from herself to what is she doing for these girls? How is she repairing the world? When your vision and your mission is to help people and make the world a better place, it's not about you. Yeah, it's so important. And I, I think about that a lot too, because it's, it really isn't about you and you're just that clear vessel, that channel to help people. And so the more you get in your own way, the less people you're helping and you're doing everyone a disservice by withholding your gift. Exactly. And I love the way you said channel because it, it really is the, the true meaning of education. If you know the root word is a Latin word called educare, E-D-U-C-A-R-E. And the dictionary definition of educare is to draw out, which just turned me on because I always thought teaching, educating was putting in, telling you knowledge you don't already know. I'm the teacher, you're the student. And it's the opposite. True educators like you, Lexi, know that everybody has everything in them they already need. They've got all the answers 
everyone and what you are doing is drawing out that they already know that. That, oh yeah, I know. They say, I know to you. Mm. Because they know, they recognize the fact or the knowledge or the perception or the insight that you're telling them, they recognize it as their own. And that's the true meaning of education. And everybody who ever I have in my circle, whoever likes me or ends up being my friend or associate, they all are educators. They all have that in common. They all truly work from, I'm channeling this. I'm not the big authority. You're the one who already knows. I'm just going to remind you. I love that, that like, yeah, removing the pedestals is such a big thing and removing yes. the hierarchy. It's like, it's so not needed. It's truly spiritual because you cannot be a teacher in the true sense of the word if you think the teacher is superior to the student. You can't, it's impossible because the definition is to draw out. You can't draw out something that's not already there. Energy, you can feel the different energy too when oh. like immediately, right? It's like, oh, they're putting themselves on a pedestal when they, and it's just not like there's, a, and you get imposter, there's all these other things, which oh, you yeah. have imposter other ways, but still, yeah. Guys, 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 did you know it's a really great time to smile right now? I know it might seem a little crazy, but I think you should just try it. <laughs> I also think you should try the most intuitive email builder called Floatus. It's my favorite thing ever for emails. <laughs> and it's been so easy for me to create the most aesthetically pleasing and simple. It's like all these templates are there for you, but a boom, but a bang, you put it in and you're ready to rock and roll. And we love simplicity when we're entrepreneurs because we got so much other shit to do. So check it out. I've got you 50% off the yearly or monthly price. There's also a free trial. And this is a really great way to grow your subscribers, which converts into sales. And you can share your beautiful knowledge to your audience. And they, you have so much to give. And emails is one of the best ways to share what you've got inside. So I hope you start accessing your gifts more and sharing them through your emails. And use Flowdesk. It's fucking easy, let me tell you. And yeah, take advantage of the free trial. And... Let me know how it goes. Now back to the episode. So I think that's really great that you, yeah, that we're talking about that because I think a lot of people don't even feel like they can do a speech or be a leader because they're not an expert or they're not this, not that. But everyone has their own gifts to share. And that's why it's so important. They do. Yes. And you don't have to be the expert. You just have to have a unique take. And the unique take on your subject that's going to help other people comes from your past experience, comes from your life experience. And that's your uniqueness. That's what makes, I remember when we were writing, my writing partner and I were doing a proposal for the stress book, which was published, I think that's my 2006 book. It's called Bless Your Stress. It means you're still alive. And we're shopping around, you know, for agents. And one of them says, there's already been enough stress books. I mean, well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stress books. 
But is there always room for another take? Is there a stress book published every year, at least one? Yeah. You know why? Because there's another unique take. That's essential. And we, yeah, if the, all ideas in life are recycled, really. Exactly. There's like 10 things. Yeah. And then they're all, it's repeated during each era and by each generation. And But we add to it, we mush it around, we get our own unique take on it. And it like, yeah, and it lands for different people. Like hearing it from one person, you might, it might go right over your head because you don't connect with them. But like hearing it from you might be so perfect and they're saying it in the same language and tone. And so it's like, it really matters using your voice to share it. Exactly. Oh, that's so well said. And so if someone is a coach and it wants to get into speaking, how do they do it? It's interesting. I did it the other way around. As this big keynote speaker, you know, being flown everywhere, big audiences, and now this working one-to-one is just, it's so wonderful. To me, that's an involvement. And most of my clients, it's the other way around. They're coaches. They work one-to-one, the really good one-to-one. Now they want to expand their audience and grow their business, and they know they have to speak to do it. Well, that's when you need to put together your, your content, your content of what do you know. And so, for instance, all my four books are, are things that I taught and I know. But some people know stuff from their life experience or from their past job. Now they're a coach, but they were in real estate. Oh, no, there's so many people lessons that you got from real estate that now you're using in your coaching. Oh yeah, you, you know some stuff. You're not a beginner. So I always tell people, look into your past, see what you've done. What did you get out of it? What did you learn? What can you pass on? Yeah, I think you're really good at that extracting. What do you call it? Extracting people's Oh, I like that. Extracting the body of knowledge, the dues paying activity, but body of knowledge. I like that. Everybody has a body of knowledge. And the great thing is that coaches now, young people really specialize. Like there's no more general practitioner doctors anymore. Well, there's some, but they always refer you to the specialist. And now people have coaches. So they have a physical trainer coach. They have a nutrition coach. They have a life balance coach. They have a business coach. They have a financial coach. I'm a speaker coach. And that's all I do. People go, can you do, you know, can you help me with my strategic plan? No, no, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Can I help you put together your presentation, whether it's 30 seconds, 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so awesome. So you've got to know what you're good at. You've got to know what your body of knowledge is and what your expertise is. And don't do everything for everybody. Yeah. So important. So, so important. And that's when you can actually help so many more people as we think that, you know, when you can help everyone, but you're actually not helping really anyone. So not, not helping anyone, but yeah, you can impact so many more people when you have a specialty. And your specialty is so beautiful and you're so naturally good at it. And that's why, yeah, you have so many good people. And what is the difference between a keynote and a TED Talk? Ah, great. Still people want to do keynotes. A keynote speech, you're going to get paid 
for it. That's the main difference. And some people do TED Talks to become keynote speakers. So keynote speakers, like in my day, a big company like Johnson & Johnson would have an annual meeting. And they'd have three days of conference. And they'd have keynote speakers. They'd have somebody famous, a celebrity, to get the butts in the seats. But then they'd have people like me who were not nationally famous, but really were good speakers. So that the audience would go, oh, yeah, I got takeaways and I got content and I got, yeah. So keynote speaking is still a paid thing. And the major difference is you're getting paid by a meeting planner, a company, association, or something, people who have budget. And now they've got Zoom. You can either do it virtual, which you're not going to get as much money, or they will fly you somewhere and you'll do it in person, which is starting to happen more and more. So keynote speaking is usually like they don't want any less than 30 minutes. For some reason, they think that time is like the more time is better. And we're not going to pay that much money if you're not going to. I used to have to speak for 45 minutes to an hour. Now, people's attention span, as you know, is like <laughs> 45 seconds. And so the TED Talks I love. And it used to be 30 minute, like when it first started, Brene Brown was one of the first ones. Her TED talk was like almost 30 minutes. But now then it went down to 21. Then over the years, it's gone down to 17. And now the ones that get the most hits on TED.com and TEDx.com are 12 minutes or 10 minutes. If you can't say it in 10 minutes, forget it. And so I love the TED format. I love it because I don't think people's stories should take three minutes. If you can't get your story down to 30 seconds for each of your stories or examples, no, then you don't know it. I, yeah, I actually notice that a lot in spaces when people start to talk, they ramble and everyone immediately checks out. Exactly. Checks out and I'm just like, get on with it. You know, it's people so awkward. Audiences are more sophisticated. And you can see it in filmmaking. I'm a big film buff of film noir in the late 40s, 50s. But back then, there was like the camera would follow somebody walking from room to room. Then somebody figured out that we don't have to do that. We can show it in, her in one room. And then the next second, she's in another room. We don't have to show them walking. We don't have to show the car, except a car chase. Car chase, yeah, we have to show that. But we don't have to have the car going to the old-fashioned. So it's the same thing with TED Talks. And you're not going to get paid for a TED Talk, but you're going to get recognition. And you get that wonderful TED banner behind you or TEDx. And the TEDx is the community ones, and it's real easier to get out there. Yeah, and it's, yeah, there's such a big audience for TED. So, Oh, and it's online. They put everybody online. Most of the people, that's how people find keynote speakers now, is they go to TEDx.com. They put in motivation. They want a motivational speakers. They put in sales. And then they see what names come up. And they look. They see, oh, let's look at that one. They look at 30 seconds. That's it. And if it doesn't get them, they go on to the next. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about how we can hook someone, which is like immediately talking to their needs. 
And how do we make things more concise for people that struggle with that? Well, I say, think of it as a movie pitch. Let's make money your motivation. Let's say somebody's going to give you $150 million to make a movie. And they say, you have 30 seconds to do a pitch. So tell me why this movie will change the world and why you are the one to do it. So you better get your sentences down. And it's the same way. It's like, what does your business do for people? What's the need that people have that it answers? And why are you uniquely qualified to do this? And if you picture it as a movie pitch, man, you're not going to take extra time. You've got 30 seconds to get that $150 million. That motivates a lot of people. That puts me in pure panic. Or it panics. But it feels good when you can just like, when you hear someone too, just like give you a clear, like you're like, whoa. That's clear. Good. Yes. And that's what the TEDx actually, their applications for each TEDx, I help people fill out as part of my program, is that we write the speech and then I help them fill out applications. So the applications are always asking the same question now, which you have to have the speech written to answer. What are the three takeaways from your talk? You have to know. And then why are you uniquely qualified to do this talk? You have to know that. And then how will the talk change the world? How does it address a need that the world has right now? Got to know that too. It's all in speech. Yeah, seems, yeah, it's like those questions are so simple, but then to me, they freak me out because I'm like, oh, you know? Well, there's- if you wrote the speech and you have it all written out, then you just take the pieces and you cut and paste them in, baby. We cut and paste in that application. Easy peasy with Mimi on your side. And it's right. <laughs> it's true. And I think it's so great, like when you're doing something like a TED Talk, to have that support through it, because why not have someone that's already done it and knows what she's doing and can actually get you the results you want instead of fucking up and having all the anxiety and like, yeah, it's like you can make your life so much easier. Exactly. Well, the thing you are paying for the thing you are getting from me the ex is 40 years of audiences like i get it i know instinctively what sentence you're going to say that the audience is going to go yeah and what you're going to say that they're going to go i didn't i didn't understand that what is she talking about so it's that experience and it's i do suggested edits all the way through but i draw you out as the good educator does I draw out people's speech so it sounds like their personality. Because the only difference between a speech and an article that you write or a blog is that in a speech, your personality is right there. They can get it. And they can't get it from the written page no matter what. And that's what speaks so much. Like People connect. People, whether they always say they buy you, not your product. That's right. That's why people have videos on their website. Yeah. Let's see what this woman, let's see how she talks. Let's see what she, what's her thing. So true. And, and can anyone be a TED talker? Yeah. The TED, the big TED is in London, Stockholm, and New York. And that's the big TED and they want famous people. But you know where they get more people? They get them from the TEDx talks that have gone viral. 
So if you're TEDx, which is in your little community or every city has one, every university has one, and they choose the speakers from recommendations or, oh, that was a good speaker. Let's get them to do a TEDx talk. Or my university professor was really good. Let's get them to do a TEDx. And the TED Talk people, the big TED, you know, looks at who went viral and how many hits they got. Wow, this person must be good. And then they ask you to do the, and if you're on the big TED, boy, you are something. Hmm. And do you repeat the same speech over and over or do you have to change it up? What a great question. When I started out, my speeches were all parts of courses. So I had at the beginning, I had a, my management training course was 60 hours of four hour modules. And it was, but you know, people wanted like the management speech. So I wrote a speech called four steps to managing anyone. And it was really good because it could be teenagers or it could be employees or it could be service people come to your house to fix the dishwasher. So that was the management speech. But I had men and women, can we talk? My most famous speech, which was, I can't do anymore. It was very binary. And that was funny, but that was a part of the management training course because women were coming into the workplace and men were going, what? They're crying. What do I do when she cries? Like, that was the question I got. In 1982, guys would say, I've never managed a woman. And they're coming in and then they cry. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I mean, I know what to do with my wife when she cries because I'll give her a hug. I can't touch these women. What do I do? So crazy. So that was funny. So yeah, if you're a keynote speaker, you're making your living that way. You want to have several because if they really like you one year, they say, we'd like you back. Do you have another speech? <laughs> and you have to go, yes, I do. So, but for a TED Talk, no. A person who doesn't want to make money, just wants to grow their business or become a keynote speaker or become a consultant, grow their consulting practice or be labeled an expert, you can have one speech. It's your signature speech, we call it. That's what I help business owners write. Their signature speech. So that at the end of it, people want to use your product or service. And what does that look like? It's the same seven steps. It's the same speech as a keynote speech, only the call to action at the end is very specific. My call to action usually is, Please sign up for a 30-minute free call. You will get value. It's a clarity call. You'll get clear, and we will see if we're a match to work together. That's when I really get to know somebody and see if they're my client, and then they get to see if I'm their coach. Okay, so if you're in a networking group, there's a lot of business owners there. It's my target audience. These people could become clients. Oh, here's what I was looking for. Look at this. You can't believe that. Where's the first one? Ah, this is the first one. Wow. Look at the dog here. Look at this. This is how many times I went in front of the room with this. Wow. I know. And it wasn't very good. But you only have 30 seconds and then the bell rings. Okay, so it morphed into what I think is one of my favorites because you have to enjoy doing it. One of my other commandments is 
nobody's going to be more excited about your speech than you are. You better have those eyes sparkle. You better enjoy your words. So picture me on a Zoom call with like 16 people or whatever. Hi, does the thought of speaking in front of a group like this for more than 30 seconds make you sweat and keep you up at night? Do you suspect you may be boring? Do you wish you could make people laugh? I'm Mimi Donaldson, your speaker coach. Together, we'll use my 30 years of experience keynoting in front of audiences of thousands with celebrities, which you don't have to do. We will write your perfect marketing speech so that people are smiling and nodding. And at the end of their speech, they say the magic five words, I think I need you. So sign up, please, for a 30-minute free clarity call. You'll get value and we'll discover if we're a match to work together. Sign me up. Yeah, that's it. So interesting. I did that and I got a woman was in the audience at a networking meeting. I'd never met her. She never looked at my website or anything. She referred me to her girlfriend in Salt Lake City who wanted to do a 10x talk. And the woman signed up with me based on her friend's recommendation, based on my 30 seconds. So I went up to her friend at the next networking meeting and I said, because they were once a month, and I said, how did you know if I was good to be your friend's coach from a 30-second thing? She goes, oh, Mimi, she said, every word out of your mouth, you could tell you eat, breathe, and live this. and." You said that, do you want to make people laugh? And you made us giggle three times in 30 seconds. So I knew you were just not talking about it, that you know how to do it. So I recommended you to my friend. And I said, but I keep telling people they don't expect to get a client off a 30-second pitch. You know, the salespeople say you need seven touches to get a client. So that 30 second, and then they sign up for a 30 minute, and then you follow up, and then you email them, and then you call them. And no, you don't have to do any of that. You just have to have a really good 30 second. So true. That makes you sparkle. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the sparkles. Yeah. I love that so much. And it's so impactful. And it gives you confidence as a entrepreneur or business person when you like have that down and it's a lot less stressful and people know what you offer and then they can refer you and all the things. Right. And you got to change it up because this only lasted, you know, it's every month this meeting. So it was came to that. And then it was another one. And then it was another one. And then it was another one. I mean, we're talking all these were 30 second things because I didn't want the bell to ring on me. You want to finish under time because people get respect for you. Ooh, she knows how to follow rules. I like that. I want to work with her. Yeah, so many things that you, you, yeah, you've just learned and you know now about people, which is so great and so important because a lot of people don't understand people. They go over time. And that says to me, 
you don't respect boundaries. Yeah. You can't like, oh, ah. Yep. Being punctual. Yeah, and it's kind of that, although you got to forgive some people because they're casual with time. Yeah. That what I just did is a call a callback in comedy. You call back something that you said in the beginning. <laughs> I love that. I call it full circle. Oh, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> it's so good. So if someone is curious to work with you, what are you offering? Where can they find you? Ooh, Mimi at MimiDonaldson.com. Or you can just go to the website and read through it and, and it says sign up for a 30-minute call. You can just email me directly. MimiDonaldson.com. Mimi at Mimi. And I will send you my Calendly link and you can sign up for a 30-minute call and we will have fun. I research you before the call. I love research. So I will check it, check you out on Google. I'll check out your website, see what you're about. And what are all the services that you offer? You can have a marketing speech because you're a business owner. You don't want to be a famous speaker. You want to grow your business, which sometimes leads to your book because I'll reject some stories. I'll say, oh, write that in the book. And a lot of my people have another screen open and they all the content that we reject for the speech, they put, oh, for the book, for the book. So- it's a double wonderful thing. So marketing speech is one thing. The other one is the other kind of person is the person who wants to keynote speech or they want to raise their prices for their keynote. So they really need to make it better. Or the person who knows there's a TEDx talk in them, they really have a idea worth sharing that can help repair the world. And yes, so TEDxers, keynoters, or business owners. Amazing. And then what are your books? Oh, well, the first one was Negotiating for Dummies. And that was in 96. And in 06, Bless Your Stress, It Means You're Still Alive. All these books that are, you know, out of print. You can get them on Amazon for like 50 cents. But the one that my most recent one is Pitch Perfect. You can get this on Amazon for about 50 cents too, because it was 2015. And it's pitch perfect. The subtitle is Speak to Grow Your Business in Seven Simple Steps. And so this book will tell you it without me. But then you actually need me to, you can do it yourself or you can have me. It's almost better to have support. Even when I like. Well, there's a bunch of do-it-yourself people. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one person. of them. I hire the coach that yeah. is good at it. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. Oh, Lexi, you are a joy. You are such a good interviewer and just wonderful. You are amazing as well. And I hope <sighs> everyone books the 30-minute calls. It was so impactful for me. And I sent all my friends her way. And they all loved it too. So thank you. Yay. Thank you for changing the world. Thank you for changing the world. Thank you for changing the world.